This is the To The Point Podcast. Together with our ERISA attorney, we'll explore key Affordable Care Act and trending compliance topics, all in 15 minutes or less. Now here's our host, Sarah Gillespie. Hello and welcome to another To The Point Podcast. This is Sarah Gillespie. I am the Compliance Director at Lipscomb & Pitts Insurance in Memphis, Tennessee. And I have with me today, Bob Radeke. He is the Senior Regulatory and Public Policy Analyst at Benefit Comply and a part of the Lipscomb and Pitts compliance team. Hey, Bob, how are you today? I'm doing just fine, Sarah. Thanks for having me on this again. It's a great podcast and I'm happy to give my two cents worth. Absolutely. Well, we are thrilled to have you. Well, so Bob, in this podcast, I thought we could spend a few minutes talking about ACA reporting for 2021 and what is proposed to be different this year, because although they may just be proposed rules, I think you and I agree, they're very likely to be finalized. So um, I'm saying there's good news and there's maybe not so good news. I'm not going to call it bad news, but there's good news and maybe not so good news that we have to share. So what are you going to make me cover? I'm going to make you the not so good news. You're no. you're very good at that. You're yeah, very thanks. diplomatic. Okay. It will be delivered very well, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll start with the good news. We'll we'll start with the good note here. Um, okay, so Section 6055 and 6056 of the ACA reporting regulations require that employers furnish forms 1095 B and C to employees no later than January 31st of the year following the applicable calendar year. So if we're talking about the 2021 reporting, they're due January 31st of 2022. Now, since 2015, the IRS has consistently extended this deadline, typically by 30 days. So almost to the point that we just, you know, think, why do we even have to comply? We know they're going to extend it. Well, in 2020, the IRS indicated that they would not continue to offer such relief for future filings. But last week, the IRS published the proposed regulations that we were talking about that provides employers an automatic extension to furnish individual statements for the forms 1095B and 1095C. So as a result of this automatic 30-day extension, the new deadline will be March 2nd or the next business day if March 2nd falls on a weekend. And as a result of this 30-day extension, employers will no longer be able to request a 30-day extension for good cause, but hopefully that won't be necessary anyway because everyone will have an automatic 30 days, uh, 30, 30 more days to get this done. The automatic extension indicates that forms furnished after the 30-day grace period, though, after that March 2nd date, will be considered late and subject to corresponding penalties, and that employers will not be able to request additional time past the 30 days to furnish forms to employees. So just a quick recap, the good news is that there's an automatic extension for the furnishing of forms to employees. So rather than January 31st, everyone has until March 2nd to get these forms to their employees. Okay, while this automatic extension offers considerable relief to employers, groups should keep in mind that individual state reporting requirements may conflict with this change. So specifically, the state of California currently requires employers to distribute forms to California residents no later than January 31st, regardless of any federal extension. So despite the proposed extension, pending any changes to California rules, of course, Employers that have applicable employees who reside in California should strive to furnish these forms by the original deadline. So it's definitely important to pay attention to any state rules, not just these federal proposed rules. 
Yes, sir. It was interesting last year when the first year that the California reporting was acquired, they they did issue right at the last minute some guidance that said they weren't going to enforce their deadline because the IRS gave uh, the, the extra time. So fingers crossed, maybe they'll extend that. We, you're correct. They haven't done that yet, but maybe they'll extend it in California to match the feds. We'll see. I think it would make sense. And it's awfully confusing if it doesn't you right. know, follow the, the federal timeline and all. But just because we haven't seen it yet, what we're sharing with our audience today is that so far, it's still got that January 31st deadline, uh, at least for California. I haven't right. looked at other states yet to see if they've changed anything. Um, but it's also it's also notable that the proposed regulations do not extend the deadlines for filing with the IRS, whether exactly. by paper forms or electronic. So I want to make that distinction, too. There are three deadlines. The first is to furnish forms to employees. The second is the deadline if you have completed paper forms to get those paper forms to the IRS. And paper forms are only allowed if you've 150 or fewer. If you have more than 250 forms, they have to be filed electronically. So the electronic deadline uh, comes after that. The paper deadline, I believe, was February 28th. And the um, electronic deadline is, is typically March. March 31st. So, yeah. So just keep all that in mind that. March 2nd is actually after February 28th. So a little confusing there, but close well, to the at, same time. At least with the IRS, it kind of make a little sense out of this because we have to do it by February 28th to the IRS anyway. So that mm-hmm. means we have to have them done to get mm-hmm. them to our employees by March 2nd. So yes. you know, I like to think of it. The, 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 the deadline really is the 28th. If you're doing it, if you're doing a paper, yes, if you're doing it electronic, then your employees come first. But yep. yeah. Yep. So the good news about the proposed changes here is that you do have a little bit more time. Okay, so, Bob, I'm going to transition to you for what we'll call the other news. The other news. You, you, you can be you can be more blunt about it. The bad news. <laughs> the um, bad news. Because it, it simply is. Um, so what, what also the IRS did in the recent guidance issue was made very, very clear. They're no longer going to be giving um, what they call transition relief for report for reporting errors. So a little history here right, is in order. Um, Early on, the IRS knew that this stuff was difficult, that employers were struggling with figuring out the coding and vendors were struggling with getting things set up. And so what the IRS said a number of years ago was that you know, if the employer is making a good faith attempt to report, they're not going to penalize employers for mistakes or, or, or incorrect forms or incorrect reporting, as long as it's a good faith attempt. And we had a lot of that. The codes weren't just right. And, and so when we found those things, we would correct them and the IRS would say, OK, thanks for correcting it and wouldn't, wouldn't penalize us. OK. Now, that's about correcting in uh, mistakes. The IRS has already started penalizing people for late filings. So there has not been any transition relief for being late. If you're late, you have the risk of being penalized. Okay, that's that that has been the case now for a number of years, and that doesn't change. The unfortunate change now is the IRS said they're no longer going to grant this automatic kind of uh, transition relief for good faith attempt at reporting, that they expect the reports to be accurate and the coding to be accurate. And you now run the risk of being penalized if you're 
uh, submitting in incorrect form. So it really ups the ante for both your reporting vendors and employers to make sure that they're paying attention to the 1095s that they're sending in. 1094, we usually get right for the most part. That's just the, the employer information where the coding gets really difficult sometimes is, you know, is what you're doing on these 1095s for the employee coverage. And so it really, I guess I ups the ante to, to, to make sure we're doing that correctly and make sure our vendors, we're working with our vendors to make sure that's correct because there's a higher risk for the 21, 2021 reporting year, what we're doing, what we'll be working on here shortly, that they won't have, that we won't have this relief. Now we won't find out how strict they're going to be for a couple of years. They're not going to, the IRS is usually a couple of years behind reviewing these forms. So, you know, right now we're looking at 2019 and 2020 responses from the IRS. But um, again, just a kind of warning shot over the bar, be careful out there this year and, and, and make sure your, your uh, reporting is accurate. Hey, so Bob, this is maybe a little bit off script, but I'm, I'm kind of thinking about this in my head. So, you know, as far as the penalty letters that we've seen come out, whether it's because they don't think someone has reported at all who should or mm -hmm. like the 226J letters, which are very prevalent, that are usually sparked from someone going to the exchange and getting those premium tax credits. Yep. How do you think that these would be flagged. Like I'm wondering, would it be if there is a penalty tax credit situation that opens up the audit, would they then look at that account to see if there were more problems in it? Or is there going to be, question. I mean, this is yeah. maybe speculation. Uh, I don't know if we know, but. Yeah, that's a good question. And actually it brings up, before I answer the question, an important point that I should have made. We're just talking about the penalties that apply just for the act of reporting, you know, getting the reports in. The penalties for not offering coverage to your employees or offering unaffordable coverage to your employees and those things, that's a, that's a totally different conversation. We're not talking about that, right? The 226J letters you mentioned were, were penalties when an employer either failed to offer coverage to their employees or maybe offered unaffordable coverage, things like that. Those, those remain and are unchanged. The, the, the penalties we're talking about is just, did you report on time? And did you report accurately? They're actually the same penalties that apply to your W-2s. Employers have known this for years. You have to send a W-2 in every year. It needs to be on time and it needs to be accurate. And the IRS can penalize you if it's neither. And now the same thing applies to our, our 1095s. And I often like to tell employers that just think of this more like you think your W-2s. You're sending the IRS data. You got to do it right. Um, and so... Uh, how they're going to flag it, I think a couple ways. I think you're right. You know, they're, they're looking at things where it, it, it says that there is a penalty involved and they look at it. And they, they'd say that we've got a you know, penalty for unaffordable coverage or something. And then they start looking at the coding. But the other thing is sometimes 1095s get sent in and the coding just doesn't make sense. There's errors that, you know, the codes that are put on that don't go together and things like that. So I think the IRS probably has systems to flag when um, when some of the reporting just you know, can't be correct because it, it it's not coded properly, you know? Um, so I think that bo in both cases, there will be instances where we'll be getting letters saying, hey, Sarah, your company sent in, you know, a bunch of 1095s that look like they're wrong. Now, I also don't want to be the guy that yells fire in a crowded theater. That doesn't mean the IRS is going to come in and slap the maximum penalty on every single employer for every single coding mistake. Okay. But they're no longer just going to kind of take a laissez-faire attitude and say, okay, as long as you fix it, you're fine. We are going to see employers get penalized for incorrect forms beginning with this reporting cycle. 
And it's really good that you made the distinction because obviously I just started talking about 226J. So yeah, we definitely have to make the distinction that there are um, coverage penalties and then there are reporting penalties. And the reporting penalty can actually apply to the same form twice. Like you said, you can be fined for not filing on time, not furnishing it to employees on time, and then um, not filing on time. So um, yeah. Yeah, there's well, an error correct the errors and, and all right. of this. It's just right. okay. So so the conversation now goes to what to do, right? Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. do we do? Um, I think there's a couple of I don't know want I don't want to call them no brainer, but some very easy <laughs> low hanging fruit. Low hanging fruit. Low hanging fruit. Excellent. Okay, so if you've been completing the forms yourself in house, and maybe you don't have or you don't like your payroll providers. ACA reporting service, you may want to consider working with a reputable ACA reporting vendor. You know, they may have some additional checks and balances in place to help make sure that the codes you're using are correct. And that may be worth paying for this year. Um, A really important one is make sure the information that you use to complete the forms or that you send to your reporting vendor is complete, is meticulous, and is error-free. It's so important to get it right now from just the minute details like your employee name and your SSN uh, to more critical information about employee eligibility and the lowest cost contributions, that kind of thing. The vendors can only provide accurate reporting if they're given accurate information. And so you know, getting, getting it right on the front end is extremely important. Yeah. I don't care um, the systems are right. So if, if it's bad information going in, the, 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 right, the, right. the, the forms are going to have mistakes on going out. There's just, they are, they certainly. So those are a couple things that I think are just, like you said, low hanging fruit. So another, um, which Bob, we're going to talk about a little bit more because it sounds overwhelming. Audit your forms and look at your line 14 and line 16 code combinations to make sure they're valid and correct. So you and I were talking earlier about how that sounds like a huge task. It it, it does, especially for a lot of employers that aren't, you know, if, if we're using a system like our payroll system, the employer often isn't actually putting the codes on the forms, right? They're entering data into the system or they're uploading payroll data or employee data into the system and the system is putting the codes on there. So often the employer isn't hands-on putting 2A and, you know, whatever in, in, in the box, right? And so to say after the fact, now go audit it, is, is it sounds like a really daunting um, problem. But I, th- I think that's going to be um, kind of necessary for a couple of years. When we look at these things, we often find mistakes that could have been caught had we looked at the forms before they were sent to the IRS. In other words, we're often helping an employer respond to an IRS letter, right? And we look at what was sent in and we go, oh, geez, if we've been able to look at this before you sent it into the IRS, we would have flagged that that didn't look right. And so what what I think you, either you're going to work really closely, again, you mentioned that you're, you're going to find a reputable ACA reporting vendor and you're going to work really closely with them. And, and I suspect some of them will be stepping up now with this new information to uh, either offer a service or do some kind of uh, audit or, you know, these partial audit in the back end. One of the things we've um, done successfully is not necessarily look at every single code on every single 1095, but done a sampling 
because depending on how many 1095s you do, a lot of your 1095s are going to be the same. If you're an employer that has a lot of employees that are, had coverage all year and, you know, and, and are the same classification of employee, a lot of your 1095s look exactly the same, right? Um, so what we can do is we can sample them and, and, and see if we can find errors. And, and that's been pretty successful where we've identified something that was wrong either in the system or the data went in. And so what was coming out the back end didn't look right. And then if you find the errors, then you can go back and dig into what happened. I, you know, I, I think that just, again, talking to your reporting vendor, you know, um, Sarah, you know that, you know, we uh, hiring someone, I'm going to try to make a commercial out of it, but hire someone to, to do an audit of them. I think over the next couple of years, employers are going to want to do that to avoid having to arm wrestle with the IRS after the incorrect forms go in. Absolutely. Yeah. So if that's something that you'd like to consider further and you want to talk with me about, you want to connect with Bob and his team, definitely reach out to me and I would love to have that conversation with you. Um, Lipsman and Pitts can't offer an ACA reporting service directly. We don't have a link to the, the IRS's air system and all of that to be able to file for employers and all. But I have been helping clients with this reporting for six years now, and I can suggest some great vendor resources for the initial reporting and then, you know, connect you maybe even with resources to help with audits if you want to go that route uh, at the end before you submit your reporting as well. So always feel free to reach out to me. My email is Sarah G, S-A-R-A-H-G at lpinsurance.com. Bob, thanks so much for all this information. I feel like, you know, the conclusion to this should be it's good news and it's bad news, Mm -hmm. but the good news is actually helping the bad news because there's 30 more days to get those those codes and get that information correct. Get it right. Exactly. Yeah. Good point. So be, yeah. just be careful out there this year. Just be be careful. Try to do to try to try to get it right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you everyone for listening into this. Again, reach out to me with any questions and uh, listen into one of our other podcasts. Have a great day. Bye.